Hello, and welcome to Episode 5 of Professional Balance, a bonus content series of the Saturday Morning Hustle. On this episode, we will discuss a very timely topic, how to balance working from home versus corporate culture. 2020 changed the idea of work from home forever, but with COVID-19 becoming manageable, the question now is returning to the office versus continuing to work from home. How do you balance this? What are the benefits and limitations of both? Does corporate culture really play a measurable role in business success? And how to balance employee, economic, and management factors in the most beneficial way for everyone? This long-form audio-only podcast will be posted the last Monday of every month, even when it's a Memorial Day weekend, as an opportunity to dive deep into the issues that challenge all entrepreneurs, business owners, career builders, and decision makers. How to balance what seems to be contradictory viewpoints in business and personal life. More than just work-life balance, we examine a variety of this or that scenarios. Let's get started. Obviously, COVID-19 changed the way people were able to do business and letting employees needing to have employees work from home changed a lot of attitudes and access to working from home, something that wasn't as common, definitely wasn't as common pre-2020, pre-COVID-19 as it is post-COVID-19 and in 2021, including the acronym WFH or work from home has become very common. So the question now in May and June, mid-year of 2021, as COVID-19 has begun to be manageable because of because of medication, because of science, because of the technology updates, because of the vaccines, because of understanding how the virus works versus this time a year ago. The question for all business owners, decision makers, especially large businesses, uh, but also small businesses as well, any business that is not necessarily a brick and mortar or something where you must be face to face with the consumer uh, is the question is, do you bring all your employees back to your brick and mortar, back to the office, or do you continue to let people work from home? Or do you do a hybrid of the two, which right now seems to be happening a lot as a transitional period of some people coming back, some people not, people who have got, gotten vaccinated coming back earlier, people with health issues or other mitigating circumstances staying at home. But there's a bigger picture that we need to discuss and how to balance these factors out. So what does a hybrid look like currently? And that's a real question that is hard to answer because I think it's different for every organization. I think it's discussed. I just mentioned some of the reasons people might continue to work from home versus being in the office. But I don't think that's a sustainable model. And so as we discuss today, we will discuss what to do when it comes to Deciding if you continue to let your workforce work from home, the pros and cons of that, or bring everyone back into the office in order to engage more and focus more on corporate culture and the benefits of that. And of course, how to balance the process, decision making, and then every, balance the needs, wants, and benefit of all involved. So, what does that look like? How do you measure success when working from home and versus success in working in person or in the office? And again, it's a question that is different for every organization, but the main point I would like to make on this before moving into the pros and cons section is that you do need to have formulas and systems and evaluations in place pre-COVID hopefully, but definitely during and post-COVID situation here so that you can measure productivity and other factors that are beneficial to the bottom line of a business. Those are measurable items. Those are things like hours put in, workflow, 
even things as such simple as getting things off to-do lists, meeting budgets, meeting deadlines, all of the things that go into the management of a business. Harder things to measure are corporate culture, our attitudes, our productivity levels within individuals outside of just dollars and cents or items off a to-do list, but balancing who they are as a person and their motivation attitudinally versus making them essentially robots who have to produce on a checklist, a quota, or some other artificial number for motivation and for quantitation, how you, how you manage and how you measure that. Because that's also hard to manage and hard to measure, even when working in the office in person. So the idea that you can measure motivation and productivity when working from home better than working at the office or vice versa is a hard conversation to have when it comes down to actual motivation at the individual level. But there are things that people find benefit in from working from home. There are things people find benefit in in working in an office environment or all together in a in a cohesive environment. And at the end of the day, the question is, how much can you gain? How much do you lose? Or is it essentially a wash in productivity, effectiveness, and bottom line effect on a business when it comes to working from home, working in the office, or some sort of hybrid? Some will say you can't go backwards in business. I've been giving that advice plenty of times on my business podcast, the Neo Marketing Podcast, about not going backwards. But the idea of having to be, to work from home, being forced to work from home or have a hybrid model during COVID-19, now that COVID-19 limitations are lifting up, returning to the office isn't necessarily going backwards. If it's been approached and investigated correctly, and if you can prove productivity and value to your employees in the process is is attainable by going back to work. You aren't going backwards because even though you'll be returning to the office and doing business how you were were acting pre-COVID, pre-2020, it's not necessarily going back to a 2019 or a 2018 stance because even working in the office, I think there will be a lot of meetings, a lot of conversations that will happen now on Zoom that were originally happening on in person, a lot of the ideas of this meeting could be an email. I think a lot of attitudes about productivity and do we need to be in the same room together to have this discussion or not can still carry over into 2021, 2022. If you bring your staff all the way back to the office, no one working from home, there's still communication with the outside world, with vendors, with clients, with subcontractors, etc. There are lots of things that can be done now electronically that you were doing in person before a lot of adapting, adopting and pivoting business models that are also going to affect how you move forward, no matter if you're working from home or working in the office. And so adding all those factors, continuing those processes, doing the things that have benefited your business through COVID-19 is going to allow you to move forward, not backwards, even by recalling everyone back to the office and working back brick and mortar all together as you were doing before COVID forced you to allow or to need to have certain employees work from home. So let's get right into the pros and cons of working from home. Some of the pros of working from home, of course, it is comfortable. Your employees are comfortable. Comfortable people would be more effective and efficient. That makes sense, right? By allowing your employees to work from home, you are meeting them halfway. You are expressing your concern for them, for their health, for their well-being, and finding a way to compromise so that they can be safe and they can be productive, but they could still continue to work. You've kept them on the payroll. You're getting value out of them. They're getting value out of you. We're still receiving a paycheck as opposed to being completely just let go. So you have met them halfway. Most employees are going to find a reason to value an employer who meets them at least halfway in a situation like this. 
even more so if they have health issues or if they have children with health issues or other family factors that would make being in the public or being around other people during COVID-19 especially dangerous for them or just put them in a high-risk category. So you can create a good cohesiveness by meeting your employees halfway by letting them work from home when possible. Also, allowing employees to work from home is eliminates the idea of a nine to five strict clock watching scenario. Often employees will get stuck in a corporate structure of nine to five, clock in, clock out. I only work when I'm clocked in. I don't work when I'm clocked out. I don't want to take work home with me in a, in a, in a literal or, uh, virtual sense. I don't want to think about business once I've clocked out. And so watching the clock, waiting for five o'clock, waiting for quitting hour, waiting for that clock out can limit production and productivity as well. So not having people too structured sometimes can allow them to be more productive, can be more flexible and potentially come in a little earlier, stay a little late or continue their thought process and even work after five o'clock to be more effective and productive because you've allowed them to work from home, you've been comfortable, you've allowed them to be comfortable and you've met them halfway. So there is good reason to consider not being so structured in a nine to five in the office with a boss looking over your shoulder. You also allow people when they work from home, the freedom to daydream. And that sounds like that's counterproductive to people being at work, but allowing people to take mental breaks, to slow down, to handle the process that works best for them, again, without having a boss looking over their shoulder or a clock in, clock out measurement uh, device on top of them, often allows this this not necessarily a daydream as in thinking about something fantastical, but thinking about the questions that they need to answer, the problems they need to solve to do their job better in a different way and allow them to do some what if scenarios and think about if I could just do this or that with my workflow, I would be able to be more productive. Those types of slow down and ask those questions scenarios don't always happen when it's, again, a structured nine to five, the boss looking over your shoulder, I need productivity out of you, and I need it done the way we've always done it. So allowing your employees to have a little bit of freedom to think about things differently and try to approach problems differently has its benefits. Now, on the business side, if you go to a full work from home scenario or a hybrid work from home where you have less employees in the office... There is, excuse me, I got a little bit of allergies going on. It is springtime in Oklahoma. Allergies are going to happen, that's for sure. Sorry, sidebar. On the business side, if you don't have as many employees in the office, do you need as big of an office or as impressive as an office if clients aren't coming in or if you aren't holding as many meetings in a place where you need to have a specific type of presentation or technology, et cetera. There are lower cost to not having the big fancy office, not having all of the support mechanisms that go with it as well. And we'll discuss some of that in the pro and con of corporate culture later on. So as a business leader, the idea of letting your staff work from home might allow you to lower your rent and other associated costs with the facility itself. And the final pro for allowing your employees to work from home is you have the ability to attract better or different talent who may not physically be in your city or state. A great example of this is a lot of people would tell you that if you're a technology company, you probably should be in Silicon Valley, possibly in Philadelphia or a couple of other tech hubs around the country to find the best talent when it comes to programming or something specific like that. Well, now an Oklahoma business can easily employ some of the best technology experts from the East Coast or the West Coast because they can work virtually, work from home remotely, and participate in working for an Oklahoma company, but live where they live or be where they are. You also can attract people from different parts of the country who maybe you get a chance to work with them for a while before offering them a position that is worthy of them moving to your location. So a little bit of a test period without them having to travel, give up their 
their place of, the, of residence and essentially uproot their life in order to take maybe a potentially good job with you. So allowing people to work remotely or work from home definitely has its advantages to a business. Now, some of the cons of allowing people to work from home, obviously, there is a lot of stress on different factors that when you do it from home or via technology, something like Zoom or some other phone conferencing or or video conferencing than it is when you're in person physically in a space together. The ability to work as a team, uh, the reason that uh, people often office together or work in the same area of a building is the ability to meet with each other, to meet in small groups, to do things on the fly that are necess- not necessarily scheduled, but I have a couple of questions, I have concerns, I have an issue, I have something I need to do. If I can just gather my team, two people, five people, 12 people, let's get in a room together, let's knock out this problem, let's all go back to work. Sometimes it could be two minutes, it could be two hours, but that teamwork capability happens when you're all physically in the same space. That allows also more collaboration, better communication when you're seeing each other on a regular basis. You can have conversations that often lead to, did you, did you get that email? Did you get that memo? Have you heard about this? Can I get your opinion on this? All kinds of collaboration and communication that happen just simply literally in the hallways over the, around the water cooler, those type of scenarios, or simply a team leader being able to come through uh, the work area, whether it's a, a, a single room or everyone has their own office or a combination of off and just check in on people, make sure that they are on top of the project that they have understand the communication, they receive the communication, and ultimately everyone on the team being able to socialize, being able to understand how to communicate with each other because you're communicating whether it's important things or casual things about how your weekend was or how the kids are, how the weather is going to be this weekend, etc. All of that socialization leads to better teamwork, leads to better communication, leads to better collaboration. So there are definitely benefits to being in the office so that taking that away is a stress on your team. It makes these things harder for them when they're working from home. That's a con. It's a, it's a downsize to downside to people working from home as opposed to working together in the office. Obviously, accountability, not understanding if people are working all day, if they are doing what they're supposed to be doing, etc. If they are on the process as you would assume that they are, but instead, if maybe they're doing something that they wouldn't do in the office because they know you can't see them or you can't check on them or you can't make a surprise visit uh, otherwise, they have a little bit of opportunity to maybe fix themselves up before jumping on a Zoom or answering the phone, etc. makes accountability a lot less easy to manage in a work from home scenario. That lack of accountability and that freedom is good for some and it's a trap for others. Many people would be great employees with a little bit of structure, a little bit of authority on their on their shoulder, a little bit of understanding, come into the office, be professionally prepared, be dressed the part, be prepared for the day be on time to participate in things as they happen because the boss is in the room or could possibly walk into the room, not leaving early, being engaged the entire time they're there, etc. And some people really fail from not having that structure on top of them. It allows them to wander off. It allows them to daydream, but in the wrong ways. It allows them too much freedom and flexibility. This is often the exception to the rule, but it does happen. And there are potential to lose the control of a good or even great employee simply by not having the structure of the office environment on top of them. And a lot of people working from home thought when going into the process in early 2020, when COVID became very influential on whether people work from home or not, a lot of people thought it would be better. They will enjoy things. They have the flexibility, the ability to be casual in their dress, the ability to not have their commute, etc. But they also found the lack of socialization, that lack of direct communication, human contact, if you will, was actually bad for their mental health. Also, the accountability, again, of your your boss, your team leaders, your even your coworkers being able to check in on you, not just how you're performing on your job, but how you're performing as a human being, how you're feeling, and other factors in your life that might be influencing your work that might be noticeable and obvious when you're in a 
physical space together that isn't as noticeable or obvious in a virtual scenario. So people have complained about their mental health suffering, the lack of socialization, the lack of connection to the human beings that they work with by working from home. It's something that that is should be heavily into your consideration as to whether or not you're going to allow your staff to work from home as you move forward. Now, there's also great value in corporate culture. The idea of bringing everyone back to the office and working together collaboratively, the benefit of that is not just productivity, but it is corporate culture. Of course, a lot of people would ask right now, what exactly is corporate culture? I think it's definitely something worth defining before we move forward because that way we understand what we're all talking about here. Not just productivity, not just workflow, not just simply do people doing their jobs, but people engaging in their jobs, engaging their coworkers, enjoying their job, enjoying coming to work every day and participating because it is something that they want to do, not versus not exactly because it's something they have to do or something because they're simply trying to collect a paycheck. Corporate culture is embracing the human beings, their traits, their strengths and weaknesses of everyone in the organization and adding them all up and adding them to the strengths and weaknesses of the organization, of the product or service that you're offering, of your brand itself, and allowing your employees to play a crucial part, no matter what their role is, to have buy-in and to feel pride and value in the job they have. That equates to happier, more productive, more collaborative, better teamwork, and ultimately better employees. It happens in a great way when it's nurtured, when it is promoted, and when it is utilized in a great way. Corporate culture can be a very valuable tool for any business. But the question is, how exactly does that help? How exactly can it be measured? Is it is a little bit of a gray area as to how much motivation you can get out of someone from motivating them to please, I don't want to lose my job or I like to keep my paycheck or I, I really appreciate the paycheck versus I really value this job. I value my coworkers. I value the system I'm in and I want to do my best so that the company can be better so that we can all continue to have our jobs and maybe get promotions and continue to work within this structure for a long time. It's sometimes hard to manage or to measure what that extra output, that extra value people offer, but it's undeniable that it does happen when people are happy feel appreciated and part of the success process at work. So corporate culture is definitely a buzzword that you hear a lot on programs like this, on podcasts and in blog posts on websites. A lot of people will tell you that it's essential to have a great corporate culture. And that's true. Now, but how does that happen? That's where things get very gray. And I often find a lot of people give a lot of lip service to corporate culture. But when it comes down to actually putting extra work in, doing what's necessary, even making decisions that are counter to the bottom line or to productivity in order to promote the ideas of corporate culture and the concepts behind them, when it comes time to actually make that commitment, a lot of business leaders who talk about corporate culture won't make that commitment. They assume it will happen organically. They hope it will happen. They don't necessarily want to spend time and effort on it. They definitely don't want to spend additional budget on it if they don't have to. Because going back to the idea of it's hard to measure. So most people will tell you, obviously, happy employees are good employees or better employees. But how you keep them happy, how you keep them engaged and what the exact value to the bottom line is a, a harder question. That's why the discussion of work from home or allowing people, employees to do what they want versus corporate culture, the value of corporate culture and how it fits into the scenario is the overall discussion here because it isn't as clear of a discussion as opposed to productivity or other things that can be measured specifically by numbers or outcome. But with that in mind, I'm going to tell you some of the definite values and pros and cons of corporate culture. Places that have positive, beneficial, well-developed corporate culture have better communication. 
motivated employees work better and work faster if they understand their collaboration is beneficial for everyone. That goes back to the idea of generating corporate culture that makes people feel involved and feel invested, have buy-in. They're willing to share their ideas, which leads to better innovation. They're willing to communicate with each other, which leads to speed of decision-making, speed in problem-solving, and eventually innovation. There's more collaboration in places where people feel valued when their opinions can be expressed and they can receive the credit for their ideas, for their opinions, for being a part of the team, even if it is counter to the general idea because ultimately it ends in a positive result and ultimately the reward is from participation, not the outcome. That comes from a well-developed, well-executed corporate culture. It's easier to evaluate your company, your your corporate culture, and your employees' productivity when you're all working together, when you're being cohesive. Evaluation of each person's talent and effort when they're allowed to express themselves and participate. There's an, there's an expression called, I find it a little corny, I don't like to say it too much myself, but the uh, idea of teamwork makes the dream work is another buzz phrase that people often use. But teamwork is extremely beneficial to effectiveness and efficiency within a business. Teamwork happens more often and more effectively and efficiently if the people on the team like each other, they feel beneficial in working together, they feel like they will get the credit that's due, and they feel like that the leadership is listening to their decision-making process will allow for better teamwork. We all agree, teamwork is good for any business. And the ability for you to promote from within, for you the ability to develop people from entry-level or mid-level employees into upper and executive level because you provide them opportunity, because you provide them communication chances because you collaborate with them, because you understand who they are as a human being and a professional, what they bring to the job as far as skill sets, but also attitudes, ability to work together, collaborativeness, open-mindedness, et cetera. That all comes from having positive corporate culture, being able to work together in a physical space, which would be a traditional scenario for a office or corporate situation. That's why working back in the office has great value because there's plenty of things you can do when the employees are back in the office and you are focused on corporate culture that are beneficial to the company, to to developing them as professionals, developing them as team members, and potentially future leaders, executives of the company. Working together in a physical space also allows you to offer support to remove the barriers to their job. It's easier to understand how to help someone do their job better when you watch them do it. it. Makes a lot of sense if you were to stand and watch an assembly line. If you see someone having to make five or six or eight movements in order to do something, if you could provide them a tool or a different access point where they could do that in three or four movements instead of eight, if just simply something as, as simple as how someone holds their arms or hand position when they type, trying to avoid carpal tunnel their back, their spine, their neck, their head position, their eyes on a computer screen, etc. All of these things are support mechanisms you can provide for employees if you physically watch them work, if you engage with them as they work, whether it's a physical thing or, again, attitudinally, uh, seeing people communicate well or seeing people communicate poorly, not just being told communication is happening, but the style that it's happening and the actual effectiveness of the end result of that communication. There's a lot of he said, she said in the office scenarios where people will tell you that they were told something or that someone was being very aggressive or maybe very negative towards them, that it might simply be a misunderstanding, a personality clash, might simply be someone actually going out of their way to harm someone else in their career path because of of competition or jealousy or something else, or it may simply be misunderstandings. It's much easier to get to the bottom of some of these roadblocks 
and limitations on your productivity for your team members if you can watch it and encounter it yourself as opposed to hearing from it, second party, third party, etc. So a lot of the things that drag people down or slow down office productivity, team productivity, group productivity can be eliminated if the problem solvers, if the decision makers are part of the process and actually see it happen as opposed to hearing it happen. So you can avoid some of those barriers to your communication and productivity process if it is a physical process where you're actually engaged in as opposed to a virtual scenario. It's already hard enough for communication to happen in a video or phone conference due to some of the technological limitations and the ability to not the inability, even if you could see each other's faces, but can't read body language or other things. Sometimes people are turning their cameras on and off and, and understanding how to manipulate a video conference. These things that can't be done if you're in a room together that can be done technologically. So the advantage of bringing people back, the, the pro of bringing people in the office together, having them work together is they'll feel, feel and see benefit in it. But you as a leader, as a manager, as a person who's a part of the process can also see the roadblocks and the negative aspects of interpersonal communication, of inner office communication, of workflow process, of everything that happens if you're in your business because you can physically see roadblocks, limitations, and things that can be done better because you are in the same room together. Obviously, too, there are common services and support that can be offered when we're all working in an office together, uh, not just electricity and four walls and a roof, but being able to print things easily, being able to access to supplies, access to research, access to all kinds of support mechanisms that you only have to buy one or have one version of or one place where everyone can find it as opposed to where people are working remotely where they have to, their physical limitations or technological limitations or simply does someone didn't think about, well, everyone's going to need access to this or the ability to do this when working from home. So there's definitely limitations that are lifted when you work together in a common service scenario. And the final pro on corporate culture and a physical commonality of, of working together in an office and or other production space physically together. And this is one I, I intentionally want to stop and kind of point out. This is a highlight of this conversation. I literally highlighted it in my notes because I want to make sure that everyone understands this aspect. A well-developed corporate culture and a well-organized office or production scenario, something that is structured to help the organization to work for the employees to create overall cohesiveness for everyone involved is an opportunity for equality in the workplace. And I'm not talking about the giant idea of equality of human beings and all of the things that come with that, which of course is a lot of focus, and a lot of conversation, deservedly so right now amongst all of us. But equality in your opportunity to thrive. If you have limitations because your home setup isn't the same as someone else's home setup, whether it's technology, whether it's actual space, whether other things that are happening in your life or in your home scenario limits your ability to do your work at the maximum level, there's a limitation of working from home and having that equality and opportunity to thrive where when you're in a physical space, you can provide everyone the same tools, the same resources, the same access, the same ability to achieve success in their role. If you provide the same thing for everyone, the actual winners of the scenario, the people that are the most successful, the people that have the most potential to, to move up in the organization, do well, gain bonuses, can keep their job, etc. All of the good things that come with, with working, when the playing field is level, when you provide everyone the same technology, the same resources, the same support, the same access, then the people who rise through that process do it through their own effort, their own skills, their own 
value they bring. And the people who don't rise or potentially fail in that situation, it's something more about their attitude, their effort, or something that they don't bring to the table. You can't say that in a work-from-home scenario because every single work-from-home scenario is different. It isn't an even playing field. And so there's potential where a employee who might have risen in an, in an equitable scenario because you're in a physical space that allows for that might not rise in a work from home scenario because of some limitation that is built into that system. It's technology, it's ergonomics, it's access to their peers, access to their superiors, and mentorship, not just being able to speak to someone in the office, whether it's a coworker, a peer, a, a superior, even the, the head of the company talking to other people in their industry or even um, vendors and clients. But gaining mentorship from actual communication that goes deeper than the surface of our operations, not just doing your job and trying to to get a question answered or get a scenario fixed, problem solved so that we can all do our jobs better, but actual engagement into attitudes and motivation and other things that come in a form of mentorship. It is harder to mentor and be mentored to in a virtual work from home scenario. It is easier when you're in a physical space, again, with access to people that you could benefit from, that you could be mentored by. And I find that that last bit about access to your peers, access to your superiors or your direct reports or or the person who essentially you need them to understand how well you're doing your job for them to evaluate you and give you the tools necessary to help you do your job or to promote you because you're doing a better job than others with the tools that we equitably have and mentoring and being able to mentor to others. Mid and upper level people, leaders, decision makers in your organization can only get so much better on their own skill sets, their own attitudes, and what they bring to the table, even being receiving mentorship from above. The only way that you're going to get to the highest level of performance is also mentoring others who don't have the experience or the skill set that you have. Being open to mentoring others is the last piece in developing the most effective high leadership individuals. So the corporate culture and the access, physical and otherwise, attitudinal, etc., for employees is one of the essential pieces. And I think one of the things that people miss the most, it's also the hardest to measure. That's why a lot of people won't have that conversation, but that's why we're having it now on this podcast, because I don't want people to miss that point. I don't want people to be so focused on the dollars and cents aspect and measurement in a business sense that they miss the opportunity to allow people to excel and to create their own success and to develop the next level of leadership and continue to move the company forward in the next 10, 20, and 30, 50 year scenarios as opposed to simply being productive and profitable today. It's a big picture concept, but I think it's super important. I wanted to make that point essentially before I move on to the cons or the negatives of continuing to work together in a physical space and developing and attempting in an attempt to develop corporate culture. With that, now in 2021 or 2022, whenever you're hearing this podcast, when we talk about going back to work, not working from home, one of the problems with that, one of the drawbacks, one of the cons to that conversation is your employees who have been working from home now know it can be done and what it's all about. They know it can be done. They know what working from home looks like for them and the benefits to them how that benefits to them as a team and benefits them specifically. Of course, there are a lot of savings to the individual from working from home, obviously saving their time and uh, the work that when they're actually clocked in, clocked out, but there's also in convenience of commuting except and being able to maybe do some things at home with their house, with their house uh, chores with their kids, with their spouse, even with their pets, that 
savings of time and convenience is beneficial. The savings of money, if you're not having to commute, not having to buy gas, not having to buy a bus pass, not having to buy subway tokens, etc. There's a lot of money that can be saved by working from home as opposed to driving to the office every single day. The stress of not just being in the office, sometimes being in the office, have the boss come by, having deadlines, et cetera, are stressful to people. It's not intended to be stressful, but it can be. But also that commute and having to balance your schedule with other factors in your life can create additional stress upon your employees. And then availability, being available to get into a quick meeting, to answer a, a quick question, to solve us a, a problem that was unexpected, to do things that are outside the normal schedule of your business is easier to do when you're in physical space and it's harder to do when you're in a virtual space. So having people work from home has a different availability. When deciding to let your employees work from home or deciding to bring everyone back in a physical space, that decision-making process needs to value the input of your employees. If you make those decisions without the input of the employees, you have the potential to create a negative response from your employees. The questions are, of course, why are we going back? Isn't it beneficial to stay how we're doing it now? Is this decision based on money only and simple economics? Or is this decision based on control? You don't trust your employees or you don't feel like you have enough control of your employees to allow them to work from home. Those two decision-making processes, whether that was your actual process or that's the assumption of your employees because you didn't consult with them and, and receive any input from them, so can create negative attitudes from people who would traditionally have positive attitudes. So you definitely want to add input from those affected by decisions to work, continue working from home or going back to the office. Not that they will make the decision for you, but they need to be part of the decision-making process. Another bad reason to make this process, make the work from home process in going back to the office is because that's how we've always done it. Of course, that's always a bad reason to do anything because we've, that's how we've always done it. It's a really poor excuse for why we do things the way we do things. But in this case, we're all coming back to the office on July 2nd or August 15th without an explanation and a simple because that's how things are or that's how we've always done it is a very bad explanation. And again, will have the potential to create negative attitudes in your employees because their input is not being heard and the pros and cons of working from home versus working in the office are not being weighed out. When this happens, the biggest question will be, if we're going back to the office, if we're ending work from home, is it ending for everyone or are there people getting special treatment, additional extra special treatment? Because that can be seen as a negative for the people not receiving the special treatment, especially if it's not communicated well. Of course, going back to the office means because we have to keep the big office and keep all the things that come with it, there are additional costs to bringing people back to the office. Obviously, paying rent on the big office, the utilities that come with it, but also the support services, keeping the office clean, keeping maintenance up, security, the technology needed for everyone to work in the office has to be maintained. If you're the employer, that's your responsibility. There are costs involved with bringing everyone back to the office. That shouldn't be the deciding factor or even the driving factor. That's the last con I'm listing here in bringing everyone back to the office, but it is a factor and it's something you should be evaluating before you make this decision. I think more important than the cost factor is gaining the input. Even if you decide to go against that input from your employees, but having them part of the process is an essential part of developing better corporate culture as you move forward, as opposed to having those those employees potentially be resentful to you because it took away the advantages to them specifically working from home. Again, convenience, lower cost, lower stress, etc. So now, as we summarize all of this conversation together, how do we balance all of these ideas? How do we balance work from home versus corporate culture? How do we balance bringing everyone back to the office or a hybrid scenario? And how do you move forward with this in a smart 
positive way that's the most beneficial for the most people involved? Well, that comes down to three factors. What is your motivation? Are you collaborating? And are you communicating? If you can answer these three questions correctly, then you're on the right track to balancing all the aspects of work from home versus corporate culture. Going back to number one, motivation. What is your motivation to do so? A great place to start there, of course, is our industry norms. What are your competitors and what are people that businesses that are similar to yours doing and why? What can you learn from other people's efforts, whether it's going well for them or not going well for them? What can you learn from that? And how does it affect your business specifically? And again, everyone's business is different, so I can't tell you how to do this for your business, but you definitely can start with your industry norms, best practices, and then how it works for you. How it works for you depends a lot on your ability to collaborate. Collaboration will be answering the question of how will it work for you. First, you have to start with your organization itself. How does the idea of working from home, working in hybrid, or being back in a physical space 100% work for your organization, for your structure, for your processes, and weighing the, weighing the balance of the pros and cons we've already discussed between work from home and working in person adding the additional benefit of corporate culture if it's applicable. How can your team collaborate on this process? Will it benefit the collaboration of your employees, of your team members, of people on your staff, of customer service, the process, etc.? How is the collaboration going to benefit from working from home or from coming back in a physical space? And your leadership. Your leadership should probably be the first to return fully to a corporate office or a central office physical location in order to pave the way for everyone else to do so. That's that hybrid model that a lot of people are doing right now as the leadership comes in and eventually all employees will be required to be there. But you have to, as a leader of a business, as an example setter, you have to do it first, show the reasons why, and let everyone understand your reasoning. That's the last piece, which is communication. This is the key piece. No matter what your decision-making process has been, it doesn't matter if you decide to continue to work from home, to continue to have a hybrid model, or go completely back to physical space with a focus on corporate culture. It doesn't matter what that decision is if you don't communicate it to everyone involved. Did you ask listen and learn from your employees and from everyone involved in this decision-making process. When making that process, how hard did you try? What efforts did you put in? How deep did you evaluate the expressed opinions of those involved? It's one thing to ask employees what they want and what they appreciate. It's another thing to ignore it and do simply what you wanted to do anyways. Balancing that out with some of the cost potential, cost savings potential, lower stress, productivity, etc. Did you make this decision because you understand it and you believe it to be the right one, or did you simply make the easiest decision for you? Do you have a clear why as to a work from home scenario, a hybrid, or a back in the office? And does that why align with your corporate values and your corporate culture? That's a huge one right there. Let's go back. Let's stop. Let's make sure that we really drive this piece home. The why of your company is essential before and after and during these scenarios. Why your business was started, why you do what you do, why you feel that you're offering value to your consumer, all of these whys are why people work for you, why people will want to work for you, and the reason that corporate culture can be great if everyone understands and engages in and... Sorry, skipping over here at the end here. Just a little bit of gymnastics with my mouth as we end the conversation here. Why they appreciate working for you is often based on the company why. That's a lot of whys there. But the, the motivation for people to participate, feel value in their job, feel 
pride in their job, be willing to tell other people why they work at a place and the, the what good things you do there comes from your corporate values. Your corporate values must be reflected in this question of why are we working from home? Why are we doing a hybrid or why do we need to all physically be back in a space together? And that communication of that why, the buy-in from your employees, their participation will facilitate whether or not your corporate culture benefits or not. At the end of the day, when you make the decision, be clear, try to be fair as possible, but also be decisive. Make the decision, commit to it, Do not let people try to talk you out of it. Do not try to justify too much, but do not justify too little. If you've communicated well, if you've taken input at all levels, if you've done all the other steps that we've talked about earlier about about investigating your industry norms, looking at what your competition and similar businesses are doing, if you've worked with the organizational structure, if you've worked with your team members, if you've worked with your leadership, if you have communicated all of the process, if you've communicated how hard you tried to make it work for everyone, if you've asked and listened, if you have been very clear in demonstrating your why, then you can have a set decision that is hard for anyone to argue, even if they don't like it, that allows you to be decisive, make the decision, set the date and move forward. And ultimately, as we wrap up here, The last piece of advice for you in this process is because we're talking about balance and all things need balance with the ability to admit if you're wrong. You can make a clear, fair, and decisive decision. You can communicate it. You can set the date. But once you have engaged it, you also still can, after a good amount of evaluation and a good amount of communication, make the decision to change your mind. It's okay if it doesn't work as as anticipated, if it doesn't work as expected, if it's not as productive as it needs to be, you can make the decision to change this decision later as necessary. That's a definite part of business. It happens on a regular basis since there's no reason to think it can't happen here. So don't think simply because you had a very decisive decision, you've been very decisive and you've communicated it, that you are 100% stuck in it, you can change your mind in the future. Thanks for listening to Professional Balance, bonus content series of the Saturday Morning Hustle. I'll be back next month with a new topic, a new podcast every Saturday, hustle and motivation advice for the office while the competition is still sleeping. Please subscribe, leave a review, and make a comment on social media about what balance issues you would like to hear discussed in this series in the future. Thanks for hanging with me for almost an hour today. Definitely provide some feedback what you think about the ideas of balancing work from home and corporate culture, the value of corporate culture, how it benefits a business, and how it might work for you your employees, or yourself as an employee moving out of the 2020 COVID-19 situation, out of the global pandemic, and moving forward in 2021 in a great way that's beneficial for everyone. Thank you.